Come on in, guys. Welcome to the Sit Out Bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two friends from the Midlands who are absolutely diehard Survivor fans. We're excited for you to join us for pre season, in season, and post season content focusing on Survivor UK. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, follow us, interact with us, and definitely give us a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to the pod. On today's podcast, we'll be doing our episode three and four recap. So take your spot on the sit-out bench and let's get started. Joe, how are you feeling about the season so far? Yeah, I'm feeling mixed, if I'm being completely honest. Obviously, it was a good weekend, great to watch Survivor. I think we've got to be honest. Okay, we're four episodes in now, we're a quarter of the way through Survivor UK and I'm getting more and more worried and losing faith that we're going to have a flipping decent pre-merge like you know there's nothing that's happened in the first quarter of the game there hasn't been like an iconic moment or something that's really kind of inspired me there hasn't yet been an iconic moment or something that I would go to work and I would naturally sort of want to start a conversation with someone who's never watched Survivor and talk to them about something losing faith that we're going to have a decent pre-merge I thought, again, we had a really naff episode, followed by a slightly better one. And really, I just think everyone's really timid. A lot of them don't feel like they're playing Survivor. They feel like they've got this false sense that they can all win as a team and get through to the very end. And it makes me a little bit unhappy that, to be honest, apart from like Ren, Doug, Tanuke, even Shy, nobody wants to cut someone off. So I'm finding that quite frustrating, personally. Unfortunately, the first episode suffered a lot from... No one really wanted to play the game. It was very uneven in its pacing. There was not a lot of strategy there. The Tribal Council felt really dragged out. Uh, the second episode, I think it was better, but I think everything's so focused on the challenges, even in terms of screen time, that it leaves so little to happen. And it felt like, in terms of especially Calaton, nothing really happened over these two episodes. Everything stayed the same as it had been previously. And it just felt there wasn't a lot going on. Honestly, like watching reality TV this week, it feels like there was more strategy in last week's Big Brother than Survivor. <laughs> and they get they get reprimanded for talking about strategy <laughs> in Big Brother. So, yeah, I feel mixed as well because there's a lot of stuff I like, mainly some of the cast. But especially the production choices over the last two episodes, I wasn't really happy about them. If I compare it right to Australian Survivor 2016, so when they started Survivor over there, and a little bit different because the fan base was more familiar with US Survivor. But within the first four episodes, you'd had someone who dropped out, camp being built and destroyed by the tides, blindside, people finding immunity idols, people making up fake clues about the immunity idols and people not trusting them. The first four episodes of Australian Survivor 2016 were so much more packed with action and excitement than this one has been so far. There's kind of like no hook and you're bang on the money with episode three. The pace was was horrendous. (laughs) Um, Introduction, really good. Love the introduction of the twist. But everything down there just felt really manufactured, trying to be suspenseful, when actually I think we knew the outcome really, really early on was very underwhelmed from honest by episode three yeah i agree and i think unfortunately we're coming off the back of a very good episode of survivor us this week so it's like the peak of what modern day survivor can be and then to come to watch this i just it felt very flat i know we're going to touch on some bits as kind of we go through the episode but 
I definitely think at a high level as well, I think Lee is giving this season something that it desperately needs, which is drama. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know if you've seen Matt, his IG stories where he's yeah. <laughs> deeply unhappy with the edit. I, I think he's just Lee. Well, one thing, is he a secret Uber driver? Because like every video I see of him, yeah, he's, he's driving the car. car. <laughs> but if he's a man not, of many talents. <laughs> but if he's not an Uber driver, he should lean into this. He shouldn't be saying, oh, they've edited me badly. He should just lean into it and say, this is who I am. This is how I feel. I'm sure we're going to touch on some of the stuff around strength politics and around sexism uh, and, you know, kind of its role in Survivor. But yeah, that's my other overall feeling is I'm glad Lee's there because he's giving us the drama that we need in what's been quite dry, a dry season so far. We'll touch on Lee more later, but to the base of it, I feel like I have to defend Lee quite a lot this episode because I think not only is he not doing what he's doing on purpose, I think production's quite a lot to blame for it and also I think he's actually playing one of the best strategically currently in the game so we'll get to that later on cool well let's kick in then straight into the episode so we start off episode three really interesting introduction they decide to go with a recap from episode one and two and one of the things that I thought it was really missing is kind of that opening sequence that's kind of so iconic for Survivor, then it really sets off in like this big bang fashion. Yeah. Matt, are you feeling like you're missing an opening sequence? Definitely. So what we're getting at the minute is Joel standing on the beach saying, hi, I'm Joel. This is Survivor. <laughs> it's a game where this will have to happen. Okay, what will happen today? And then the big logo comes down and then we get the Dominican Republic spy titles and then it's just people being tired on a beach. There's no like big energetic opening title sequence there's nothing feels epic about it and i think tonally it just it's kind of boring to be honest and i think they have to trust the audience that they understand it that they come back for some more you're so right it feels very soft introduction again which we don't need just on the um the spy titles as well why on earth did they say 608 AM. I, was, I literally said the same thing i was like there's no need to be that specific and was it actually 608 probably not <laughs> I, I was genuinely thinking is this an easter egg is something gonna yeah. happen sort <laughs> of 608 what does that mean <laughs> but yeah anyway so we have the introduction i think we both agreed it needs some sort of an opening sequence to kind of really set the tone well and just start the episode in a natural way that doesn't feel forced once we get in there we're very much sort of starting to feel the fallout from Tribal Council. So we start off over at Calaton to begin with, where Nathan feels like the tribe is feeling really confident. He's talking a lot about building momentum. And we get an absolutely iconic scene where Lawrence is going skinny dipping in the water. Um, he says that he's got a bony bottom. That's his words, not me. <laughs> um, I think it's fair to call Lawrence the white whale from here on out. <laughs> Matt, thoughts on the white whale? Uh, just Lawrence was one of the the many good moments of these episodes, I'd say. And obviously, they mainly all revolve around the cast. But I think Lawrence really brought some fun, some lightheartedness, some comedy that the show really needed. I loved seeing him actually enjoying being on the island. As stressful as the game is, you know, going skinny dipping every morning, that's got to be an unreal feeling. So whilst everyone's having lots of fun over on Calaton looking at Lawrence skinny dipping, if we then flip over to Lenena, there's a very different feeling post-Tribal Council. So everyone is feeling like the game is a lot more real. Pegleg is talking about how everyone feels immersed, how everyone's very focused. And Lee is really toting this mantra and it's going to become a common theme throughout the whole episode around the need for strength, how he feels more connected to the men. 
Um, and I want to be clear, he's making the division, not me, when he says stuff like, it's the law of attraction, the men are going to be with the men. And it's going to come up in multiple places where he's going to talk about, we need to keep the tribe strong. Other points he talks about, if we need to get rid of someone, it's one of the blondes. He also really digs a hole for himself in tribal council. I think we've got to pose that question. You said you think Lee's playing a great strategy. Is he, or is he really just being, I suppose, a little bit sexist? So obviously it comes across that way, but obviously, first of all, we're going to say it's the edit. You only see an hour of two days worth of game. We have no idea what else is going on. The rest of the castaways are backing Lee up saying he's not sexist, etc., etc. So you can pretty much take that on face value that these are just things that he said. He said other things as well, but obviously the editors have decided to cut that out. In terms of my opinion on his strategy, if you look at what happened at the last tribal council, Lee gets left out of the vote in order to get himself back into the majority, the thing he has to do is push the narrative that the men are physically stronger on this tribe, they need to keep the tribe strong in order to win challenges to stay in the game. And forming that men's alliance with Chris, Doug and Pegleg is the best way forward for him in order to stay in the game. And it's not it's not pretty to watch, but you're right. I oh, know, absolutely not. But... <laughs> <laughs> but you are right in terms of strategy. That is a, that is a strategy it's really easy to fall into this dynamic of its strength that's important over everything else. The part that I'm more confused about is why, I understand why Lee is pushing that narrative, why it works for Lee, but I start to struggle to see how does that fit with everyone else's game? And immediately we get different cutscenes between Rachel, Ash and Lee, um, where really they're just saying, actually, this doesn't work for us. Um, the strength game doesn't work for us. I'd rather keep them around and get rid of Lee. So why do you think everyone's going along with the narrative that Lee's creating here about tribe strength is important? I have absolutely no no idea why this uh, previous alliance doesn't stick together. It seems to make more sense for them to stay together, keep building the trust they already have, but obviously they decide not to go that way forward. The only thing I could think that even makes the slightest sense is that everyone's predicting that come the merge, the tribes are going to go head to head. Uh, So there's not really going to be a break in those alliances. It is very much one tribe will come out on top and vote the others out. And so from that point of view, it is very important to go with the numbers. I wish it wasn't that way, but unfortunately I can see why maybe they would choose to go with that strategy. I personally place full on the lack of variety of challenges so far. Mm. I think obviously we see a really good one in the second episode with the building blocks and trying to balance the, the ropes and the platform. If that is earlier on in the game and people think there's going to be a bigger variety of challenges, the people we see struggling that one, like Peg, Leg, Nathan, these are people that haven't struggled in other challenges so far. And so I think if they put that earlier on in the season and had a few more puzzles, then people will be thinking about actually, is strength everything? Is there other types of physical attributes that we need to keep in the game? Really great point. You're right. The, the challenges that have happened in the past almost to getting people thinking these are what the challenges are going to be throughout the whole series. I was also really interested in what Doug said in kind of his confessional where him and Lee are kind of describing, <laughs> Lee says to him, we, let's go with a strength-based approach. Doug, are you in? <laughs> Doug says yes, and he says, you really in? <laughs> Which I love that Doug's yeah. getting that reputation already. Um, but in his confessional, Doug just says like, he thinks it's a stupid way to play. And he says that he's happy to let him do the steering and then cut him off when he needs to down the line. Which is fine, as long as that happens. Yeah. But eventually you could be left with an alliance that's not particularly strategic, and it's too late to cut him off, because 
you know, you're, you're the target all of a sudden. He's not exactly a big strategic shield that you'd want to take forward yeah. with you into the merge or anything. With the game Lee's playing, as soon as people decide it's time for him to go, he's gone. Like, there's nothing he can do about it. Because we even see Ren and Doug saying that Rachel Ashley has to go. And I would guess that it came down to them wanting to keep Ashley strategically over Rachel based on what we saw. Obviously, we know that Chris still has that relationship with Ashley and Ren and Doug do too. I think it has to be a combination of multiple things. And clearly, they felt that Rachel had to go. I do think it's hard because it does come at a time with Survivor more generally, where there is a narrative around women being voted out early and being out voted out frequently in blocks, which yeah. is really hard. And, and you can't just, I don't think we can ignore as kind of commentating on it, the kind of underlying assumptions that are being made that maybe aren't right. Absolutely. Um, and so it's, it's a fine balance where I agree. I think some of it's the edit. I don't think Lee is doing it intentionally. But we also can't ignore some of the underlying questions that it raises about that perception of strength um, in a really raw sense. Yeah, and it's really funny because um, we see over the course of the two episodes that Lee fails at most of the challenges <laughs> he takes by. Like when he loses to Shy in the, the mud bath fight, whatever they call that one. <laughs> But I do think we're lacking in equalizers. So I've loved the challenges that we've had so far. I thought they've all been really different, whether it's holding the weights, whether it's the one-on-ones, whether it's balancing the blocks. But in US Survivor, every single challenge has a puzzle in the pre-merge. And that is to try and allow for these different types of players to remain in the game. It is a huge weakness on this season that we haven't seen anything like that so far. One of the big gaps has been no puzzle in four episodes. Moving on from the post-tribal council, we then move into everyone's favourite part, into tree mail, where we're <laughs> we're delighted again to going to get a, <laughs> a roll of parchment <laughs> from a piece of wood in the forest. This one's a little bit different. It's not telling us about reward challenge or a immunity challenge. This one is letting everyone know there's an opportunity for one person from each tribe to go to the outpost to take part in a mental challenge. Lawrence is chosen for Calaton and Ren is chosen from Lenena. What I thought was really interesting is that Ren clearly knows what the outpost is, but they have to play dumb and just pretend that they don't and sort of ask, what is the outpost? But Ren clearly knows what the outpost is. This is one of those moments where Ren is showing that they know the game and how it's going to advantage them being a super fan of it. So they know that they can go on this. They kind of volunteer themselves to do it. The rest of the tribe agree, obviously. Does the, the note ask for the quickest thinker, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. There's definitely a mental challenge in there. I think quickest thinker is about right, yeah. Because I found that interesting because the the actual like thing that's involved... It's not right. like anyone could have done that. But yeah, I think Ren positions themselves very well to go there. And we find out that they have a dilemma between three choices, which obviously the big fish and some vegetables, <laughs> uh, the middle fish and a few vegetables. And they can get a clue to the immunity idol, which they have to share with one person. Or they can take a potato and get a clue for themselves. How did you feel about these choices? Because I thought that it was kind of a setup, regardless of what they chose. So initially, I thought the choice was obvious, and we were live texting about this in real yeah. time. Um, and the obvious choice is the middle fish. The middle fish, yeah. It's substantial enough, you can go back and you can sell, this is a reward, whilst also giving you the advantage that you need. I've actually shied away from that, though, 
over the last yeah. over the last sort of twenty four hours, thirty six hours. And and here are my thoughts of, of what I think are the real the real options. The first one is I'm I'm really surprised that they let them read the scrolls. Like just generally, I'm surprised they let them read the scrolls and have an informed choice about what they wanted to take and the advantage. Because I think given how small the beaches are, so we've seen in some of those overhead shots, the Calaton Beach and the Lenena yeah. Beach are so close together, there can't be that many places really that you're searching for an idol. And so suddenly, once you know an idol's in camp, the big fish becomes a lot more attractive because you can think, I can take the big fish, I can take it back to the camp, they'll believe me, and I, I'm 24 hours ahead of knowing before yeah. anyone else there's an immunity idol there. The real advantage is the knowledge of it. The other side is take the baked potato, eat the baked potato. Don't tell anyone, you know, because if you take a baked potato back to camp, everyone's going to think something's going on here. Take the baked potato, take the clue, eat the potato. And when you go back to camp, just say, yeah, sorry, guys, I lost the challenge. I didn't win anything. And yeah. that way, you've had the best of all three worlds. You've got the clue. You've eaten some food. And I think that's probably your best cover. I think as well, like the way they could have made some much needed content for this episode as well is have Ren and Lawrence go to the outpost together, allow them to strategize with each other mm. on what their cover story is going to be. Because the big issue here is Ren comes up with a cover story that's different to Lawrence's cover story. And suddenly at the challenge, Chris knows that Ren's lying. I, I think I agree. And it creates a nice opportunity, doesn't it, for a cross-tribal alliance potentially and people to start thinking about are they going to work together post-merge? Yeah. So I, I think we've laid out those three options quite well. What I couldn't understand, though, was the actual options they chose. So let me let me kind of contextualise this, right? So Lawrence chooses the big fish. So he decides to take the big fish back to camp. He says the reason that he's doing this is for two reasons. He says it's for the good of the tribe and it's to stop people worrying or looking for an immunity idol. So that's his kind of rationale of why he chooses the big fish. Yeah. He goes back to camp and he says, look, everyone, I've got the big fish. Oh, by the way, the choice was between the big fish or a baked potato and an immunity idol. <laughs> so yeah. He straight up tells them there are immunity idols in the game, so people are going to start worrying about it. That logic just didn't make sense to me. Um, and it did um, raise a few eyebrows, because obviously we get the confessional from Jess where she says, is Lawrence lying to me? And then obviously she says, I don't know, I don't care, I'm just going to eat the fish. But if Jess is thinking <laughs> that, then the rest of the tribe are also going to be thinking that as well. Yeah, if you make the choice to take the big fish you're doing that with the mindset of not telling anyone else about the other potential advantages, aren't you? I don't think that's a moment or something that really builds trust with people. Equally, I thought Wren's was a slightly bizarre choice to make the line more complicated than it needed to be. You, you could have just said the choice was between fish and potato. Why on earth you'd suddenly introduce this extra element to the lie about having a bag of rice? I, I didn't quite understand. Yeah, it's so easily disproven to be true that it... I understand why they did that because we've seen it in Survivor before where people have come up with these lies and said, oh, it was this or this, and then they come back and maybe they're thinking along the lines of the new era of Survivor where each person who goes to a journey or the outpost in this case sometimes has a different choice and there's potential different outcomes, so maybe they thought they wouldn't get caught out in that lie. I think they made the right choice by choosing the middle fish because I think that's most likely what the other person's going to choose and therefore you're both in the same lie. But obviously that doesn't work out and then also if you make up a cover story that doesn't make sense then that's different to the other person's then you're in trouble there as well. Yeah, and it's easy for me to say sitting on the couch at home 
But I don't think in that moment where I'm there and I see a clue for an immunity idol that I could have chosen the big fish and no clue. It's just like, are you here to play or are you here to not play? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so don't blame anyone for choosing the middle fish or the potato. Do slightly worry about Lawrence's decision to take the big fish and, and why he did that and some of the rationale. Interestingly, when Ren comes back to Lenena, love the line, now it's time for me to lie to my new friends. Yeah. <laughs> Very iconic. One of the things that I really loved when he came back is how Christopher played his healthy scepticism. And I think he played this in a perfect way. When Ren is giving story and he's coming back, Christopher's like, in a very playful, jokey way, you didn't find anything else, should I? did you? Yeah. You know, do I have to pat you down? <laughs> and it is the perfect way to put doubt into everyone's mind that this story isn't right, whilst also not appearing threatening to everyone else. Yeah, Christopher's playing the most snaky game out there. And he's playing it very well. The way he just sort of drops bits of information here and there, the way he's in every single person's ear, I think he's doing a very good job of making sure he has all the knowledge in the game. We then have a great scene with Lee where he's uh, he knew straight away apparently that the fish was a bream. <laughs> I don't know if your fish knowledge is great, Matt. Would you have known that's a bream just based off sight? And uh, if they're no. notoriously known for not having a lot of meat on them. <laughs> to be fair, like... It wasn't even like a real, like it wasn't as if they put like a, a sardine there and it was really <laughs> obvious that that was a middle option. Like it was a fairly big fish, but yeah, obviously Lee has some fishing knowledge there, which makes you think Doug also must have known that it was a a small fish, but obviously he gets involved in the uh, in the idol clue as well. I love that then Ren obviously takes Doug off to go and needs to tell him about the clue to the immunity idol and a really wholesome moment where Ren indicates that they didn't tell the whole truth. And Doug yeah. was not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ren tells everyone. Ren tells in a confessional that they're very aware that they kind of butchered the uh, explanation there, but they think that they might have got away with it, but we clearly see that they might not have. Sorry, I do like that Ren chose Doug, though. I think that's a very good option, and I think that's probably what's going to keep them in the game up until at least the swap, if not the merge. Just that relationship with the person who is pretty much running the tribe right now. Yeah, and it's clear that Doug has his head screwed on right in terms of that relationship and wanting to leverage it, but also being willing to cut when he needs to. I love that he's being open about that, even at the very beginning. Uh, so when they open the clue, it's relatively simple. They get told that it's by the well, low down on the ground. <laughs> so no need to worry about memorising it. But I, no. but I thought a really interesting moment for kind of two things. The first one is they say that they shouldn't go looking for the idol today. Do you think that's a bad idea, Matt, to tell someone about an immunity idol and then say, let's not look for this today? No, because we see someone, I'm not sure if it's Lee or Chris, say, oh, Ren's gone off with Doug already immediately, which, you know, maybe they should have left it a little later on to not raise some eyebrows. But I think by them then disappearing again and spending time running through the, <laughs> the jungle, I think that's pretty much going to tip people off. If, you know, at the end of the episode when... Joel says in Tribal Council, if anyone has an idol, you can play it now. Like, if that doesn't already tell everyone that that's exactly what Ren had a chance to do earlier <laughs> on in the day. It's just at the well, though, isn't it? It's not like it's way down the beach. This beat. is true, yeah. You know, you're not going on Maybe a wait till you can fill up your canteens and then go for it. Yeah, I'm super thirsty today. I have to go to the well again for the eighth time. This is... <laughs> <laughs> just like pouring it down your throat. Water's just dribbling down you. The other part I thought was absolutely hilarious was watching them destroy the notes. 
there have been lots of great ways that notes have been destroyed on Survivor. <laughs> I think funniest has to be um, Danny in US Survivor eating the notes. Um, yes. <laughs> but was there any point in ripping up a note? You know, does that add any value to either of their games? No, because they ripped up the note and then they buried it. <laughs> like, just bury it. <laughs> I could not see any upside to this. If anything, you want to keep the wrapper. So if you need to create a fake idol down the road or you need to try and use the note to play something. Yeah, this is a reason to keep the note as well, just in case you can create a fake idol. Yeah. yeah. Or even, you know, you keep the note, find the idol and then place the note somewhere else. So everyone else is wasting their time looking for an idol that you already have in your pocket. Well, we know Lee hasn't seen the show before. Rack up, wrap up a rock, <laughs> put the note with it, and <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> if you're on Survivor map, what is the most creative way that you are destroying an idle note? Personally, I think you shouldn't. But if I was going to destroy it, maybe like macheteing it into the sand, <laughs> <laughs> stabbing it a lot of times. Crack open a coconut, pour the coconut water all over it. <laughs> so don't worry about Matt. He's just macheteing the sand for a bit. Just letting out some of that tension. <laughs> I, it did make me think, though, people looking through their bags, that's the only reason I could think that maybe they want to destroy the notes because there's already a, a, healthy, <laughs> a healthy habit of everyone checking everyone's stuff. Yeah, I think we have to consider that as a potential because... Obviously, we know that both tribal councils, Lenina has split the vote now, assumingly in case of a, an idol, but we're not being told that, so it just comes across as everyone voting randomly for anyone. We then move to day seven on Lenina. Ash is talking very much about how Lee has become the leader since Sabrina has left, how the tribe feels slightly divided, so it's fallen into kind of a boys' club, and points out that she believes that the three individuals who are being targeted are kind of the weak women on the tribe, and that the best way to kind of move forward is to avoid tribal council. Lee is very positive about wanting to smash the challenge, and he feels very confident in his team. Chris also wants to win the challenge, but for more strategic reason so he can keep the numbers. Meanwhile, over at Calaton at the start of day seven, Lawrence has grown a fantastic beard already. I'm extremely <laughs> jealous of how fast that thing can grow. <laughs> and I thought we had a really authentic moment from Leilani as well, where she was being vulnerable and very much about the realities of Sapphire about being on the out. Yeah, definitely. Leilani's very much the, the star of Calaton for these two episodes. But yeah, I feel, I feel like the fact that she kept getting these confessionals where she says, oh, I really need to prove my worth in the tribe. And then obviously we'll see later in the challenge that that doesn't quite happen. It was kind of signalling that she could potentially be in trouble still and that people are still looking at her as the weakest member of the tribe. Yeah, and got to be hard going on Survivor when in your heads... You know, I'm sure fans like you and me, we've played this out thousands of times where we're always the star. We always get the, yeah. kind of the hero <laughs> edit. Um, and it's got to be really hard getting out there, being quite successful back home and not connecting with people in that way. But at day seven, we're only 20 minutes into the episode and we already go to the immunity challenge. Calaton is already stood there waiting to see who from Lenena is voting out. Immediately, Shy spots that it's Sabrina. Really interesting moment. Tanuke calls Sabrina her nemesis. Um, don't think yeah, that. so it feels so weird to leave that in if you're not going to explain why. Like, just cut it out. Yeah. I don't think they've been a, on any head-to-heads. No. <laughs> also, iconic moment with peg leg. No sock stuffing was needed. That man has got everything he needs down there. <laughs> I think, like, they looked clean as well, or has he been keeping those? Like, <laughs> 
did they just allow him to bring an extra pair of underwear on because it has Union Jack on it? Like, <laughs> I think all of them. I know Calaton keeps talking about how bad they smell, but all of them seem to have a lot of different clothes. Yeah, they're, they're all wearing different things every day. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of swaffing. The challenge is a Survivor Classic. Um, essentially, it's a game of tag in the water where the tribes have to run around and chase each other, each carrying different weights. Anybody can drop out of the challenge if they need to, but they need to pass their weights to another person. What is the best strategy here, Matt? If you're in the game, what are you saying? The best strategy is for everyone to keep their weight for as long as they possibly can until they start being an active problem for the tribe, at which point then drop out. So, uh, yeah, Lee's strategy is terrible here. Hey, don't, don't give Lee that slander. Okay, that, that wasn't Lee. That was Hannah. That was Hannah. Was it Hannah? So I watched the episode back, okay, yeah. and the subs showed everything, or at least according to the edit, it is Hannah that is bringing up, would this, she says, would this be easier if there were less of us running, and then if we need to drop out, let's just drop out. That is 100% Hannah's strategy. Uh, okay. Lee, Lee agrees. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't put up a fight. <laughs> But that is a Hannah strategy. And don't you dare tar my man Lee. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the episode kind of poses it as being Lee's strategy, which is quite interesting. Yeah, he was definitely set up in that way. I I actually, I'm not sure I agree about the stamina routes. I think alternatively, I think you just got to run for it. Because I think... Oh yeah, definitely. Like You've got to go as fast as you can as soon as you can because... You're just going to get more and more tired. Yeah, but I, I definitely agree you're right. No one should drop out. But I think there should be a consensus agreement. Let's just go as fast as we can, as early as we can. Yeah. Because um, I think if you go fast, the other tribe has to go fast. And so you're both getting burnt out at kind of a similar rate. And then it becomes like an endurance thing. Easy for us to say, I suppose. Yeah, I would be terrible at this. But <laughs> I, I, what I found interesting there was the, the deeper and the shallower side. I don't remember that ever being a thing on a US Survivor, but that added quite a complicated layer to the challenge. Yeah, and I think Nathan's approach was 100% the right one. And that challenge has been on Australian Survivor where they've done the same thing, running yeah. the shallows, stay consistent in the deeper ends. That was 100% the right way to go. What I didn't appreciate was Joel's jokes <laughs> during this challenge. See, I didn't mind them too much. I mean, there was a couple that were a bit like, really. (laughs) Yeah, the two two that I thought were too much were what you call a man in water, Wade. (laughs) That was horrific. He says, this isn't a war, this is water. You know, that was was too much for me, man. (laughs) I can live in egg. (laughs) It really took me out of it. And I thought Joel was better these two episodes for the most part but those two again were just editing choices i would have cut that yeah i think you just gotta accept that that's what the vibe is gonna be with joel i think obviously if they're putting his puns in they like the fact that he's making puns and it's it's very british targeted which i understand but it is a bit much sometimes (laughs) yeah so in the challenge we have two very different strategies lenena is very much going for Let's go as fast as we can to try and catch these people out. If you need to drop out, drop out. You know, we'll take the weight and we'll just run with it. Whereas Calaton is going kind of slow and steady. Um, the challenge starts. Pegleg is the first to drop out for Lenena. Then Ren is next, followed by Ash. Leilani is then next to drop for Calaton. Then we have Rach again for Lenena and Hannah. 
and we're in this very uneven environment where we have three of the guys for Lenena still going around trying to catch them against seven still for Calaton going really, really steady. Um, and it felt pretty obvious you know, when so many people dropped out what the outcome was going to be. Were you surprised that, that Calaton won the immunity challenge? Absolutely not. I think as soon as uh, Ash and Ren dropped out, I tweeted Lenena into <laughs> <and I'm> like, <laughs> There's no way they would have continued. And they're, both of them would have easily done that. Because if you're looking at the other tribe, like Jess seemed to be struggling at the very end, but like she was fine for the most part. Like They could have all lasted way longer. I think Pegleg, it was a case of probably um, his leg probably causing an issue in terms of moving through the water. Yeah, um, He needed to drop out there, but the rest of them, there was no need for it, really. I think kind of put a pretty good performance in, actually, because she stayed for a very long time there. Yeah, no, agrees, agrees. We'll talk about Rachel in a little bit and kind of her excuse. Let, let's not touch that now. <laughs> <laughs> the editors love giving Rachel excuse. <laughs> <laughs> More to come on that one. <laughs> and just like I said, once they won, I thought what was, again, really interesting was the decision to let the tribes really mix together. And you mentioned this earlier, the big worry we had was Ren had told a more complicated lie than they needed to. Was this going to be discovered? And again, really well played by Christopher in the water, finding Lawrence, signalling him out. And I thought there were a couple of things that were interesting here. The first thing I thought was interesting is when Chris is talking to Lawrence, he says, oh, was there kind of a couple of options? Was there like a fish or could you choose a potato? And I I couldn't believe that he said potato because the lie that Ren had told everyone was that it was fish or rice. So how did Christopher know that it was between a fish and a potato? I think Ren probably told a more complicated lie than what was shown, probably involving the potato as well. But also Lawrence initially answers saying, yeah, it was fish and potato. So obviously he's trying to play it coy, not trying to throw Ren under the bus there. But then Chris says, was there more than one fish or just one fish? Like Chris has obviously seen, Chris has obviously seen the show before and he knows that that's the type of dilemma that they like to put in the game. Yeah, and really well played by him in doing that again. Felt really natural, felt like he was building a connection with Lawrence straight away and loved that Lawrence also played this really well in finding out who on the other tribe, the Lenena tribe had gone. Because I think yeah. as soon as his ears kind of twigged, oh gosh, he got only the medium-sized fish, he was thinking, who's got the idol? We'll talk a bit about it a bit more in a minute. Well, when we get into the second episode about who eventually gets the idol. But I think the fact that it's not Ren makes it even worse for them. <laughs> Agreed. The other part that I just want to bring up really quickly about the Munity Challenge, and we won't talk about the log, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the, the horrendous, horrendous idol. But one thing I did notice that I didn't see last week is that the holder they have for the Immunity Idol the idol fits perfectly into it. Like yeah, it's just like the... a bit of tree. <laughs> <laughs> They've literally not only just kept the idol itself, but also the tree that it was cut from. <laughs> it feels like there was that tree in the middle of one of the beaches, and they were like, we need to clear this off so to make it easier for the cameras to move around. And then maybe like part of their uh, contract is if you do forest anything, you have to use it for something else. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's got to be the idol then, hasn't it? <laughs> we are 30 minutes into episode three. And my initial thought, we're 30 minutes in, we've seen people go to the outpost, we've seen the immunity challenge be finished. 
I was thinking that something big was going to happen here, Matt. Were you? Yeah, same. And uh, you text me saying, oh, tribal with 20 minutes to go or whatever it was. Like, this is going to be crazy. And that's what we were expecting. And um, we were disappointed. <laughs> we were, yeah. With that much time, I thought they were building up something really big. A blind side, a huge scramble, a controversial, maybe a live tribal council. Potentially a revote. A revote. Um, but actually, what we got when they got back to the beach, Lenena during the scramble, Lee expresses some frustration. He feels gutted that they've lost. He says his iconic line that it's got to be one of the blondes. And pretty much it's clear that, that Lee is targeting Rachel. And I thought, iconic excuses here by Rachel. When Lee says, you know, she's a PT, I thought she could have gone longer. Ashley's excuse that, that she says on Rachel's behalf, and Rachel says this later, is... I don't do running. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, it was so bad. Like, I mean, it wasn't really running in the challenge anyway, was it? But in Rachel's defence, I'd like to bring attention to something she said in her cast bio, which was that before going directly before going on the show, she was uh, dieting for a photo shoot, and she says that what they ate on the show was actually more than what she was eating for her diet. So I think at that point, Ellen was just dead, and I don't mean there was anything she could do about it, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think if she'd have known, then she probably wouldn't have uh, been doing that extreme diet before the show. Dude, this is the same person who told us, I volunteered. That doesn't mean I asked to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Even though she's a trained vocalist, she struggled with breathing. I I thought it was a cop out, if I'm honest. I just think, like, you're panicking. You think you're going to get voted out. You know that you didn't perform well in the challenge. You know there's not really a reason that you can put your finger on for doing it. So you're just spouting out any excuses and all of a sudden. Truly iconic excuses, but yeah, not convincing at all. One of the things I thought was really interesting is Tanuke has revealed that in the kind of the uh, casting process, one of the things that happened at the final stage was a bleep test. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they had to perform well in that bleep test. Well, true, yeah. <laughs> But clearly, she does running, you know? <laughs> so, I think running and wading through the water with 10 kilograms on the yeah. back is two very different skills, personally. Uh, so those are the two people who are up, potentially, to be voted out. It's either Ash or Rachel. And again, we just go back to this real sort of confusing environment uh, where these are the only two names being thrown out. But what we hear are clearly Ash and Rach wanting to vote out Lee. Okay, yeah. so that's two people. We have Christopher, who says that he feels like Ashley and Rach are the two people that are his best friends that he's closest to. That's three. We have Ren, who says if she has a choice, it would it would be Lee going out. And we also have Doug, who's already called the strategy stupid. That's five. That's a majority. Yeah. Why are these people not banding together? Yeah, it was kind of mind-blowing to me. Um, as I said earlier, the only reason I can think is that I felt that they were going to get demolished by the other tribe. But even then, I don't think that's necessarily true whatsoever. And it was just confusing to see this group of people who built up a majority alliance decide to just not do that for some reason and keep everyone else in the game. Because it's not like at this point, Lee and Pegleg have been completely instrumental in winning the challenges. Like, yeah. It's very much been on Doug to do that. So, yeah, I just thought it was very strange. And even at that point, Hannah wants to flip as well and be like, "Yeah, let's keep the girls together. So 
I personally thought that like Lee was definitely going to be blindsided here, and I couldn't believe that they decided to just get rid of Rage. Yeah, this was easier. 6-2 majority. It should have been. You're right. Hannah should have flipped as well. I I think this was, <laughs> was one of the most <laughs> clearest moves to make. It goes back to a point you've made, though. Lee must have a really good strategy, and he must have people around him that he is really forcefully directing in terms yeah. of what should happen. I think people are just nervous to make a move, and whether that's just because it's the first season. I thought it was going to be a Lee blind side up until... Rach and Ash started talking about voting for each other. Yeah. And and that was the moment where I just knew it was you know, all hope was lost. Yeah, definitely. And I just like the strategy beyond the strategy of keeping the numbers together as well. Like if you're Ashley and Ren, Rach going home means that you're one of the two people that are next up for the chop. So by keeping Rach, you're guaranteeing yourself an extra round on top of this round, getting rid of Lee as well. So I was just kind of baffled by the decisions here. We then go to Tribal Council. The one ray of hope that I had was there was still 16 minutes left of Tribal Council. So maybe something changes. Maybe there's a live Tribal. Um, so we go to Tribal Council with 16 minutes left. So still plenty of time for a lot of passionate arguments, a live Tribal Council, a revote, something like that. Uh, very leading questions by Joel. They talk about strategy. Pretty much they all take ownership over it. Lee says he doesn't. He didn't underestimate his own abilities, but he did underestimate others' abilities. Um, and when Rach calls out that Lee was saying it needs to be a female next, she makes the point gender doesn't determine strength. Although this is some of this is editing, I don't think Lee. I think Lee gave them the content in this point when he talks about it's not about sex or gender or equality or dequality. Not yeah. quite sure what dequality is. Um, but I, th- I thought he was digging a hole for himself when he said that. So what I imagine is Lee's saying all this stuff, but then he's probably qualifying it and being like, but I don't think this or I don't think that. The good stuff's getting cut out and it's being left with pretty damning statements. And it. <laughs> yeah. And he, he is trying to define it in a way that makes sense. You know, it's not about the gender, it's about the people. Yeah. I really loved Pegleg in this moment when Lee is kind of saying the boys were still in the challenge and Pegleg says actually not all of us were and he's been yeah. really honest with them. and i thought credit to him for that but ultimately we go to vote and we're voting with nine minutes left it was a slow like they did everyone getting up pondering writing the name down it was a slow nine minutes yeah um ultimately it's a five three split and rach goes home yeah and like the split why <laughs> like i don't understand why they wouldn't, I'm guessing it's in case of an idol, but surely they know that they probably don't have an idol. Um, I don't know. That's, it. that's that's the other thing we didn't mention is is if Ren was really against what was happening, then they could have gone to find the idol. That could have been a big thing. I think yeah. production was kind of banking on that, if I'm honest. Yeah, on that definitely. Being the... Interesting to note, though, the people who voted for Ash were Pegleg, Rach and Lee which means that Pegleg and Lee have not cast a correct eliminating vote yet. <laughs> so once again, on the wrong side of the votes. Yeah, and weird because Lee was the one pushing for H anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been a prior agreement to split at camp. It's the only reason I can think. Yeah, and also, I'll quickly point out, Ashley's hand must be better because yeah. we didn't see anything about that this episode. 
True. Miraculous recovery. We never saw that picture, Ashley, so we're not even sure it was injured in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's do a quick in requiem of Rachel. Um, How are we going to remember her? I mean, some great confessionals. Obviously, calling out Sabrina in the first episode, calling out Leah in the next episode that they went to tribal. Um, I think it's a shame, really. We'll remember her for her, her creative excuses, but not too much in the way of anything else. The fact that she somehow, despite being in the majority in the first round, got ditched purely <laughs> because <laughs> Lee decided that she needed to go home. I think that's how we remember her, someone who didn't like Sabrina and someone who couldn't either hold their breath or run. <laughs> that's, it's pretty... But it's actually someone who I could see coming back maybe on another season, a second chance season. <laughs> I, I'd, I like, I'd love to see Rage back, but I don't know. Will we even get Survivor back? That's the question at this point, isn't it? Yeah, well, let's touch on that at the end. And The other thing I want to note, terrible week for me in the fantasy <laughs> i i had reached down as my hawkeye the person who i thought would cast the most correct votes <laughs> i mean one out of one <laughs> hey she's 50 percent man she voted ash <laughs> but it's not just me who has to bear that shame matt she was in your final four she was um nearly picked her as my winner pick over doug <laughs> glad i went for the very correct choice there but yeah, that, Rach had bags of potential, but she just wasn't able to bring any of it into fruition. Yeah, agreed. Overall, I think neither of us were impressed with episode three. Poor pacing, obvious yeah. outcome, really, really slow. And also, I was just going to say, like, the, the negativity that came with the let's target the women kind of made the whole episode feel a bit icky, especially with the way it played out. Yeah, I think we can see some alliances forming, but they're not alliances that are really built on strategy or friendship it just feels like an easy an easy path to take in a way yeah and i will say lex i will say next lenena tribal uh actually could be very interesting here because you've still got ren doug chris ash lee pegleg hannah could go anywhere so really anyone could go at the next tribal fort Lenena. Let's go straight into episode four then. Obviously, we start over at the Lenana tribe, just post-tribal council, or the next day, I should say, after tribal council. thought it was really interesting. They start off eating. They're still eating really well, having fried pineapple for breakfast. And everyone's sort of commenting that they didn't feel good about what happened at tribal council yesterday. Ashley's nervous. She's talking about the boys' club. Ren didn't feel comfortable. They want to win the next challenge. They don't have to do it again. Chris also confirms that he's enjoying kind of the boys club alliance, but it just felt like no one was really proud of themselves for what happened the night before. Yeah. And I think this is interesting because it's the same sort of thing that Calaton's saying where they're saying, Oh, we don't want to vote anyone out, et cetera, et cetera. But Lenetta, it's like, we do want to vote people out, but also we don't want to vote people out. So I think it's a bit more of an interesting feeling on that drive. Yeah. And maybe this is why, Again, why we're the fans and we're not, we haven't been cast. So one of the things I specifically remember saying when I was going through the casting process and I was in the in-person stages is they talked to me about the um, challenges and they were like, are you excited to take part in the challenges? And I was like, look, I love challenges. I love competing. I'm very competitive. I'm very salty if I lose. But I also said, if I'm honest, the only reason I want to do a challenge 
is so I can get to tribal council and cut someone. You know, yeah. that, that's my mentality. Is the challenges are just like the fun and games. The real game is happening at tribal council, yeah. and people just don't want to be there for some reason. I think not wanting to be at tribal is fair in terms of wanting to keep the numbers, but also like as you said, the real game is at tribal council. So it's kind of like. Yeah, we're here to play. We want to do these challenges, but when it's actually time to play, no one wants to play. And it's maybe it's too early to think about resume building, but is anyone going to take credit for a Rach vote out? Is is that a good thing to have on your resume? No, I mean, we tend to say that pre-merge tribals don't matter too much when it comes to actually being a winner anyway. But in terms of even positioning people, like, I don't think anyone's really done anything to position themselves well you could say maybe chris is in the middle doug's in the middle ren's got a good partner there but in terms of who's positioning themselves to be able to take control of these votes like no one's really got a grip on the numbers there over at calaton very different tone everyone's very pumped up from winning two challenges except for jess who is frustrated about the sleeping conditions. She wants wants that memory foam pillow back. (laughs) Um, It does look pretty intense, that shelter. It doesn't look comfy at all. Yeah, Jess really keeps giving with these uh, confessionals. And I really love hearing about the the living conditions and how she's finding it. And I think that's like part of Survivor that the UK version is replicating really well, like the fun chat about what's going on, how they're living, how they're surviving. So they succeeding in that part. I just feel like it's other areas that are the issue. Yeah. I thought it was a really funny moment that comes a little bit later on where Jess is talking to Shy and she says, <laughs> and she says, um, I saw a really big toad. And I heard, yes. I just saw a really big toad. <laughs> toad? Yeah. <laughs> And I was thinking, no way has someone done a turd on the beach. <laughs> yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, that's <was> so good. <laughs> Let's talk about eating it afterwards. Let's eat the turd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Guys, things aren't that bad. <laughs> um, immediately after Jess has sort of talked about her desire to have a dream pillow, we then get Shy, who's still on the outs socially. And I think Tanuke says some pretty brutal things. Yeah, I was surprised at this because I really thought like it wouldn't be as bad. I thought Shai would be able to recover from this, but truly brutal. Like to sit at home and watch someone say you have no social skills three times <laughs> in one episode, like it's harsh. Yeah, man. I'm very worried for Shai here because it doesn't even seem like he's doing anything that wrong. It just seems he's not able to build the social connections that he needs to. I I thought that the combination of he's not very smiley, he's not a good team player, and he has no good social skills. Is yeah, where does not a good team player come from? Like, he wants yeah. to get that shelter done, he's been within the challenges. Yeah, I don't quite see how that one's there. And it's, it's sad that, again, he's clearly on a, a tribe, and he says this, of people who are very, very extroverted, and he hasn't been able to connect with anyone. And, and interesting that Leilani said a similar thing in episode three. You know, there are just sort of two people that aren't maybe in that kind of not that click, but the group yeah. of people who really just resonate with each other quite naturally. We then move to Lenena. Pegleg and Doug are really lasered in on trying to find the immunity idol. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic moment where Pegleg is saying, Doug, I trust you, because if we find this, I've got nowhere to hide it. 
dude, you've got a fake leg. <laughs> you've got <laughs> you have the perfect place to hide in the unity <laughs> idol. <laughs> that might be very uncomfortable though to me. <laughs> He only has to get it back to camp. You know? But who's who's going to say to him, sorry, Peg, can you just take off your leg so we can search it for an idol? Yeah, <laughs> Peg Leg is saying that he wants to find the immunity idol because he doesn't want the girls to have it because he thinks the girls have control. I think that's more maybe superstition than reality. Yeah. And, and then Doug, I did have a, a dum-dum moment where Doug says, I have an idea where the idol is hidden. And I'm in my head, I was like, yeah, no way. Because yeah, <laughs> Ren told you where it was. Yeah. And he did say that afterwards. But just for a moment, I thought he was just going to say, Oh, I think I know. <laughs> I think I know where it is. <laughs> I thought, because I couldn't tell whether Pegleg was always wanting to go and look at the well or whether Doug was like, We should go and look by the well. Because for me, if Pegleg says, Oh, it might be near the well, if I'm Doug, I'm saying, Oh, no, I don't think it would be near yeah. the well. Why don't we look over by the rocks? I saw some rocks over there that look like they would be a good place to hide an idol in. Because really, it's very lucky that Pegleg doesn't find it because he's literally standing above it. And I think it comes back to that point of these beaches aren't huge. There's only so yeah. many places it can be hidden. So the well seems like a pretty pretty obvious choice. Obviously, there's a bit of a standoff between Doug and Pegleg as they both search for it. Doug sees it out the corner of his eye, squats down on the bench. And ultimately, Doug comes away with the immunity idol that is good for three tribal councils. Nice twist here, Matt. Yeah, this surprised me a lot, actually, because I thought if they're introducing the Mean Seals for the first time, like, you're going to just have it be standard, be until the final five type thing. So I was very surprised that they'd put an expiry date on the idol. Yeah, I think that's almost to force the action to get him to use it, hopefully, in the next three. Yeah. yeah the, the next three, let's assume they're all elimination. That gets you pretty much to the merge, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's basically pre-merge idols on each beach, I think. When Doug comes back, he tells Ren, should he have done that? I think yes, because if you are if you don't tell them and then you're looking for it together, you can't find it, I think there's just going to be a bit of suspicion brewing. And Doug clearly wants Ren to be his ride or die anyway. So I think at that point, there's nothing to lose. And I know earlier he said... At the right time, he might cut Ren. But I think by having that idol in his pocket, he's in power and there's not really much incentive to get rid of them until they become too big a threat. Don't you think Ren is just going to be ticked off? Wouldn't, wouldn't you be ticked off? Usually, yes. However, the fact that he says Pegleg was right above it, so I quickly grabbed it. Like I think that's the justification that he needs to say, look, I've got the idol, this is how it happened. I really think this only gives power to Ren, in a way. So obviously they don't have the idol. That would have been the ideal thing, that they would have found it themselves. They yeah. would have chosen to share it with Doug. Yeah, that's that's top tier. That's option A. But I actually think this option's not bad because knowledge is power. Yeah. So if Ren wants to flip it and use the knowledge that Doug has an idol to plan a big blindside or to bring other people in to an alliance with them, Whereas I don't see the upside for Doug as much. I think Ren was already with him. I, I didn't see as much upside for him as I did for Ren. This definitely puts Ren in a decent position. Uh, but I also think it's a nice way of building trust and making sure that they're in it together. Especially, as you said, because it has the the three tribal limit on it. Mm. At that point, realistically, he's not going to want to stop working with Ren. So I think there's there's risk, but there's limited risk, in my opinion. 
Over at Calaton, Lawrence is not searching for the idol, but decides to take the time to tell Tanuki that an idol clue was one of the options and trying to build an alliance with her. I hated this move. I hated him telling Tanuki. No upside in this for me. I'm very torn on it because I think from his perspective and what he knew at that moment, I'm not a big fan of the move. But given that Joel later says uh, Tribal Council, if anyone has a hidden immediacy at all, that kind of tips people off that there was one. So I think Tanuke probably sees him as more trustworthy now, but I do agree that he should have kept that knowledge to himself and used it, as we said earlier, like the knowledge that the idol is there should give you enough incentive to find it. I don't think Tanuke trusts him anymore. <laughs> I think she's she said, thank you for that bit of knowledge. I'm going to find the idol and I'm going to cut you later. Yeah, I, I mean, the only reason for that scene to be included is if Tanuke is later going to go and look for that idol. So, And her attitude was 100% the right one. I know there's an idol. I'm going to go flip and look for it and find yeah. it. I want it. They just, they just seemed like... It must be very exciting for Lawrence to know there's something there. He, he should have kept that to himself, I think. He could have used that at a later point to say, hey, I found something, I've seen something. Or like you say, people are going to find out in 24 hours anyway. You haven't built a huge amount of trust. If anything, I think Tanuke can just share that with other people that you weren't completely honest. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's that downside of revealing that you have lied in some capacity there. We then move to day nine. Lenena again is talking about wanting to win the challenge. Hannah starts voicing her concerns about the strength-based approach and, and what that means for her. All of the girls and Ren are talking about, you know, what does strength look like? How does it come? Uh, we flip over to Calaton, uh, where we have Leilani again, who thinks that she's the weak link. Pretty much the kind of her sort of lamenting that she hasn't been able to sort of show some of her expertise and really Jess and Nathan as well, figuring out the best way to hide her in the tribe. I think Leilani has been kind of screwed with these uh, the challenges that have come up so far. Like when they cast Leilani, they should have known full well that she would not have been able to do some of these challenges. So I think it's kind of unfair that she's just been kind of put there to be picked off essentially. And so I think I'm very pleased with the look that falls into her later on in the episode, but there was nothing, and there's nothing that she could really do. And this challenge actually does show her attributes and what she can bring to the tribe and still people just shrug their shoulders at it so i think she's kind of screwed from the offset well luckily the thing that we've all been waiting for happens tree mail is here again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this time it's letting them know that there is going to be a reward challenge rachel from the calaton tribe has her first confessional since episode two I, i kind of forgot she was there if i'm honest until that point and basically her confession was just her saying that she wants meat. <laughs> That's it. That's She wants meat and she's pumping up the tribe. Yeah, when we say like there's a lack of strategic content, this is the kind of thing that we mean. Like, don't tell us that Rachel wants chicken wings. Tell us what she's thinking about each of the other members of the tribe. Because <laughs> she, she's such a non-factor in the season so far, which is really a shame because I think especially her out of everyone else is the one person that hasn't got some solid content there we then have lee also giving his strong opinion that losing is not an option (laughs) um so matt i watch as i do always survival with my family my wife is not a huge survivor fan you know i think i think lukewarm at best but even by this point she's looking at the screen saying i hope he loses i hope they get his own (laughs) and luckily they go to the reward challenge there's some shock at who lenena have voted out or the teams ultimately put 
into a head-to-head challenge called Trench Run. Again, another really big sort of Survivor Classic where two individuals, either end of a watery trench, have to run through the water and try and ring a bell first. Um, They can wrestle, they can pull each other. And the reward here is very British, um, a good old-fashioned barbecue, (laughs) (laughs) which is great to see. Uh, I bet you enjoyed Joel. (laughs) Casually eating the sausage. <laughs> what the price was. <laughs> there were a couple of great lines. I love the crunch on the sausage as Joel ate it. Yeah. I also, I also, there's a, there's a line later where Lawrence says, "We're one step closer to the sausage." <laughs> did you see Leila's Instagram story? <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. What did you do? <laughs> I'm not. I can't remember if ever she said it or some one of her fans had added her and said the joke, but they said when you reinstall Grinder after a month. <laughs> one step closer to the sausage that's the main thing <laughs> we have a couple of really good head-to-heads here the first one that we see is ash versus leilani both of whom are really fighting to try and prove that they do have some physical strength and they're, they're good for the tribe leilani puts up a really good fight she's hanging off ash at one point but ultimately ash takes it we then have Pegleg against lawrence where lawrence wins we have hannah against rachel Lee's commentating from the side, swim through it, swim through it. But Rachel, with a great strategy of pulling Hannah's pants back (laughs) so she can ring the bell. (laughs) We then have Shy versus Lee. And I thought there were two interesting points here. The first one is that before this round has even started, Matthew, for some reason, is really confused why Shy has put himself forward to do this before him. I didn't get that. Yeah, I thought this was a bit rude how we got from the side that everyone was saying, oh, he insisted that he go in and do it. Obviously, he shows them that it was the right decision, which I thought this was a great moment for Shy here, and hopefully this is the start of his redemption with the tribe. Definitely. Shy smashes Lee. Lee, I think, just tries to hold him too much, and Shy just fights through and wins that round. Huge, huge shout of joy for my wife when this happened, yeah. and Lee lost. Um, and by his own logic... You don't perform in challenges, you're next on the chopping block. Hey, he's one of the blondes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what he meant when he said one of the blondes. He was including he himself. himself yeah. <laughs> um, so Shy takes the victory from Lee. We then had Jess versus Ren, where Jess won. Um, I thought really, really good challenge overall. I really like this one. Really nice mix of physicality and, and a bit of strategy. What do you think was the best approach for all of the people? I like this challenge. I have no problem with the challenge itself. I did, I did do a bit of an eye roll and it wasn't anything with a puzzle or anything again. Yeah. But uh, in terms of strategy, I think Rachel proved herself quite physically capable when she basically just barged away down, yeah. that, <laughs> down that trench. Um, I also, I'm not even sure what the best strategy. I think it just comes down to knowing the first place to grab your opponent and knowing how to throw them off balance the best. Like we see mm. Leilani get like dragged into the mud there, whereas other people were less successful in being able to pull people back. So I think it very much depends on knowing your strengths and knowing how to knock other people to the ground. I wanted to um, point out like, like Ash got a victory there, but I bet if she tries to ever bring that up, same like as an asset to the team, they're going to say, "Well, you're up against Leilani." So it's all that yeah. <laughs> totally agree. There's no way she's getting credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would have liked to see just a little bit less water. I thought it was too deep in the middle. When I've seen that challenge before, it's usually like knee heights, so you get a bit more physical contact. Yeah, that's a bit more interesting. Um, yeah, I, and I definitely think the, the for me the strategy is running as fast as you can. Initial bump, a little bit of a bump to throw him off the balance, but then going through to the bell. I think everybody who kind of got sidetracked into wrestling the person lost. Yeah, um, just go straight for the bell. Yeah, it's not an environment where you can really, you know, successfully drag someone back unless you're holding onto their pants. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so Calaton win the reward challenge. They go and have a barbecue. And damn, this made me miss summer so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, bring on winter. Oh, (laughs) you with your seven Christmas trees. (laughs) When Lawrence was brandishing the tongs and eating that sweet corn, I just thought, man, that is life. What are we doing here in the UK with... I was wondering what happened to all of the... Because, you know, when Joel's like, the barbecue food lifts it up, like, that's not what they have because they cook their own food later on, so... The crew got fed well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they probably left those things cooking the whole time they were doing the challenge. <laughs> just... <laughs> There's definitely going to be some swollen stomachs. I thought, looking at Tanuke, when she was lying down on that bench, you could just tell she had that classic survivor swell where yeah. they haven't eaten properly. And then suddenly there's too much meat. Yeah, tiny bit of rice and then you're having two burgers. <laughs> Doug. On day 10, over at Lenena. Everyone is is feeling bad. Doug is narrating. He's saying morale is low. Flip over to Calaton. Totally different. They're all complaining about Matthew farting during the night time. Um, and we get a great little, uh, I suppose, I don't know what the word is, montage maybe? A montage of Matthew? Um, and I thought what's really interesting here is he says he's 21 years old and he's had 22 jobs. Yes. Is, is that possible? <laughs> Does that just mean you're bad at your jobs? Like... <laughs> I love what he said. I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades, but a master of none. <laughs> Don't think so, mate. I think you just worked in a couple of fast food chains. <laughs> I want to know, when you hand that CV over, how do you explain the revolving door that you've got stuck in? Like, I don't know. Let's, like, let's work it out, okay? Let's say he started work at 16, okay? Yeah. And, and, mm. Maybe I had a paper round, like, 14, 15. Okay, let's add a paper round in pre-16. Yeah. And then 16 to 21, he's got five years. He's still got 20, 21 <laughs> jobs. <laughs> so he's doing four jobs <laughs> every year. So you he's kind of have to assume that some of them are simultaneous, surely. Do you think, what, like one of them's like, oh, I did Goodwood Festival for a day? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like, maybe it was a rep in Ibiza for a week or something like Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like tens is nan's chickens. (laughs) I I did do some searching. I couldn't find him on LinkedIn, so I couldn't see his professional history. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew, please send us the list of all the jobs that you've had. Um, We we need to know what falls into these. I I agree. I beat the rep, Bricky. Probably did a day in McDonald's. Didn't like it. Hospitality is a pretty loose job, though, isn't it? I suppose there is lots of change there. (laughs) <laughs> how many jobs have you had i've had two <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you're solid you're building a career that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i just didn't think this was possible man like it's 
it's like one of those things you say to get noticed, but yeah, maybe like lifeguard once. I mean, like I've done like work experience. Maybe he's including that as well. <laughs> yeah. What I did love seeing though at Calaton after the Matthew montage is Tanuke already planning ahead. You know, if we lose the next challenge, it means shy. They're worried that he knows he's the next move. That makes him slightly kind of irrational. He could do something crazy. Matthew says he doesn't warm to him, but did like that Shy was showing a lot of self-awareness. He was nervous. Yeah. He was and really commenting that he he recognised he didn't fit in with everyone else. Is Tanuke planning the right way? So I think Tanuke's biggest problem is Nathan. And I think she's going to be realising that pretty quickly and she's going to have to do something about it. Because she was balls to the wall about getting rid of Shy. She wanted to keep those women together on that tribe. She wanted to have control of the numbers. But unfortunately, I think she wants to work closely with Nathan, but Nathan just wouldn't have any of it. So I think she's going to have to figure out a way to either convince Nathan to do what she wants or she's just going to have to get rid of him. I agree. She's way more strategic than Nathan is. Yeah. Um, and that's to her credit and to her advantage. We're really fortunate, though. We got the best tree mail <laughs> scene of the series. <laughs> okay, and I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic here. I genuinely liked this tree mail sequence. And do you know why I liked it? Because it got no screen time whatsoever. <laughs> okay. They went, they got the scroll. And they immediately cut to everyone going to the challenge because there was no point in reading it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one cares. I'm really sorry, but we can't have multiple tree mail things every episode. Yeah, so I, I so yes, production, if there's an opportunity for episode five, six, seven, eight onwards, just cut those out. I think as a community, we're ready to do that. Well, um, like, why do they need a riddle to find out what the challenge is when they're going to the challenge immediately? Like it's, There's no yeah. point to it. And it's not even like they can prepare for it. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, this is water. Let's go into the ocean for a couple of hours. Yeah, I have yeah. hands and faces, but no legs are right. <laughs> like, <it's> very... <laughs> I'm not sure what the uh, the answer to that riddle was. <laughs> was, it, was it sausage? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after Tree Mail, we get a couple of montage of everyone walking to the beach. Nathan's talking about momentum. Shy's talking about how he wants to win, so he's not going to get voted out. Lee's doing the classic, I don't want to lose. And Hannah's also just talking about how she's aware of the strength strategy and what that could mean. We go to the immunity challenge, and as soon as I saw it, my excitement was just gone because I've seen this before. This was on, this, you know, spoilers, this was in the trailer. Uh, was it? Yeah, did you not get that? Dude, that's no. why I texted you. Yeah, as as soon as I saw that structure, the circular one with them standing on the spots, yeah. immediately I know Lenena wins that because in the trailer they were all hugging around that structure. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I, I was really happy with this challenge because obviously, A, it's not a massive physical one, and B, I haven't seen this variant of it before. Um, I'm not sure if they do it like this in Australia, but in the US, obviously, they usually do it as an individual immunity challenge. Yeah. I couldn't quite work out the name if they were calling it dicey business. It was or... disky business. Was like, it disky business? Like risky, like... but disky. But yeah, it's it, very pun based. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought a couple of notes. And, and again, this challenge, you had to place, you had to take it in turns to walk across a narrow beam and place blocks spelling immunity um, onto a disc that was being pulled. I suppose, all held up by all of the different tribe mates 
pulling on a string. I thought a couple of things to note here, and I'll run through really quickly, and then you can tell me what you thought. I thought Pegleg, that was amazing to see what he did, you yeah. know, from struggling at the beginning to really, really being able to balance well. That was really, really impressive. Lee as well, credit where it's due, cool as a cucumber, had the most balance out of everyone. Very, very impressive. And and did kind of like that everyone's almost knocking him for saying it's just brute strength, but actually his balance was bang on the money. Yeah. And also Nathan struggling, classic classic big feet problem yeah <laughs> has lots of upsides <laughs> but big feet can be a bad thing uh, what were your key takeaways yeah so i thought it was beautiful to watch all the people that had been succeeding in the challenges struggling the challenges yeah. <laughs> and then to give praise to like leilani ash who all managed to do it fairly well yeah lee i was very impressed with his uh performance obviously balance is big part of boxing so I'm not surprised there. Uh, with peg leg I feel like if you're going to cast someone with a peg leg then like make sure your challenges are fair and they're able to do it like <laughs> it's one thing having weaker people and stronger people on a tribe but if it disadvantages someone who you, you've cast who has a disability like that's not great in my opinion. Did, I thought this one was fairer than the water challenge though that they did. Oh yeah, the water one was way more than fair. <laughs> I don't know, Peg like obviously like, no, I want to be able to do it. Like it doesn't matter to me that, you know, he still wants to have the same opportunity as everyone else. But I think it is something that production needs to keep in mind. Mm. I thought this was a good challenge overall. There was a really good tension when ever someone stepped off the balance beam, obviously they had to start again. Yeah. Um, and it was really good at kind of building up some of the who's going to win kind of stuff. Unless you'd seen the trailer and you knew Lenena won, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which was my experience. Yeah. Um, I actually did go and make a sandwich when the challenge started because <laughs> I, I just knew it took it all out. And I think that's why definitely moving forward, the BBC have to be more careful with spoilers. Yeah. And, to be fair, I'm going and looking for it. I'm, I'm not expecting everybody to analyse the trailers, but those are the little things that just aren't, aren't necessarily needed. The good thing I do think, though, apart from that one scene with the potential final six, I think they've used all the footage now that were in the trailers and in that yeah. intro sequence in episode one. I think there's nothing else left there. Yeah, I agree. And it's like how I knew that Lenena was going to lose uh, one of the challenges this week because there's a shot of Rach at Tribal Council that was used in the trailer that wasn't in the Sabrina Tribal Council. So so we then, after Lenena wins, Kalaton goes back and they do the scramble. And I thought this was the best scramble of the season. I was really invested in this. Yeah. Um, with the two names being either Shy or Leilani. Rachel was very honest <laughs> about kind of her views on Shy. And so were a lot of other people. And I really liked Matthew's take in the scramble where he was bang on the money about it being not just on the ch about the challenges, but actually yeah. it's about the vibe in camp, their strategy. And I think he articulates the problem that we've been talking about really well, where all the other players just aren't seeing that. They're just focusing too much on the challenges. And the scramble was very challenged. Who's doing well in challenges based? Like, What's the point in talking about the challenge when you already have an established pecking order? Because obviously Leilani doesn't save herself by doing well in the challenge here. So for me, it's just like, it's a cop-out, really. It's like, oh, let's just take out a weaker person and keep going forward with our tribe. Because you have to think, if Leilani was really close to Nathan, would she be the one going home? Probably not. But the way Nathan's phrasing it is giving himself the best options moving forward, but making it look to everyone else that 
is doing it based on physical strength. And, and you pointed this out. Leilani did really well in the challenge, gets no credit for this. In fact, at one point, Rachel says, yeah, she did well in the challenge, but so did lots of people. Like, yeah. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> um, it's also really clear, and we've kind of referenced this, Tanuke really wants Shy. She yeah. tells Jess that. It looks like Jess is on board. Rachel's kind of on board. But when she goes to speak to Nathan, that's really when the shy idea gets shut down. Yeah. Um, and there seems to be some real division. But going into Tribal Council, I thought production had done a really good job. I didn't know which way it was going to go. I was I was genuinely excited for Tribal Council to see who they were going to vote for. I kind of felt like it was going to be Leilani, regardless. Just because of how well Shy had done in that trench challenge earlier on. But yeah, I do think there was a bit more uh, suspense there in terms of more potential for the people going home. We're going into Tribal Council. Let's just talk really quickly about Leilani's outfit. Like, that is... That is <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> she dressed up for the occasion. But yeah, brilliant outfit, iconic outfit. They start answering some of the questions. Shy feels like they just missed out, like they didn't do necessarily anything wrong. They were just, you know, a couple of steps behind. Rachel says that she feels she can trust people to a point. Leilani talks about being the weakest and, and about the other attributes that she can bring. And Jess is really open again, saying that she's torn about who she's going to vote for. She doesn't really say too much. But then we kind of drop the bombshell of a non-elimination, which was one of the things that we were really hoping not to see this season. Yeah, it did make me massively roll my eyes here. But also, given that Shale and Leilani were in trouble, I'm happy for it to save them if a non-elimination is going to save anybody. I was really disappointed because I, I genuinely didn't know which way they were going to go. I thought it could have been either of them that could have gone and it just took all of that tension. And there's a couple of things. So the non-elimination is that they were going to choose somebody who would then be voted out of the Calaton tribe and would become a member of the Lenena tribe. I thought they played this wrong. I thought they should have voted and then told them about the twist. Yeah, I agree. Telling them before, it just took out all the tension and the excitement. And also, it kind of makes it seem to Leilani that maybe she wasn't voted out because maybe they were going to vote shy out. But then when Joe was like, you have to trust the person that you're going to vote out, et cetera, et cetera, that they then switched it to Leilani because they trust in her. Whereas that's not the case. And it doesn't really give her a chance to know where she stands in the game. 100%. 100%. They were voting her out. I, I do think that is ultimately where it would have gone. And, and I hope to hell that she makes the same reads, that she doesn't think oh, they trust me, they believe in me, Calaton strong. Like, yeah. make the read. <laughs> they, they don't like you, they're not with you. You know, go over there and make new friendships, make new friends, better friends. And I think this twist also has the potential to screw Calaton completely because if Lenena go to Tribal, Leilani's probably going to be the most likely boot there. So they're being made very likely to go into the merge with less numbers through this twist. So interesting. I, I don't think that. If, Do you not? No, no, I really... So I did. I think it's all about how Leilani plays it, right? I think if Leilani yeah. thinks she's Calaton strong and she goes over there and doesn't give much and doesn't integrate herself, I think you're right. It's easy to pick her out. But I can see a world where Leilani goes over to Lenena and suddenly the dynamics change from being... 
majority men over a minority of women to suddenly you have the three girls and Ren. Yeah. And then you have the boys. And I like... At which point, Doug's going to swing over anyway. Definitely. So I think if she can integrate herself, I think she has a really good shot at being part of the blind side of Lee um, yeah. in the next one. But yeah, it all depends on how she plays it. But these people were not her friends. <laughs> they, they weren't there for it. Yeah, my worry is with Leilani going over to Lenana is obviously she's going to be picked out as being a weak blonde immediately. And then at that point, is it easier for Ash and Ren to just vote Leilani and have her as an obstacle in front of them rather than use her as a number? Overall, though, the non-elimination, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not either. I think it's going to squeeze a future episode. Somewhere there's going to be a double elimination. Um, and I just think, yeah, it, it creates too much squeeze. And it worries me they're doing a non-elim this soon, that they're going to do more. Yeah, my, my only hope is that maybe they're going to do like a four-person finale instead of a three-person finale. Gosh, that'd be brutal. Four... Do you, you don't mean four people going to the final tribal council. You mean like... Oh, no, 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 no. I mean like there's four people left in the last episode because often when... I know the first season of Australia, that's a three-person final episode, I think, and yeah. that's I find that pretty dull and dragged out. So let's talk really quickly then about our thoughts overall of episode Thor. Overall, I thought it was a much stronger episode. I thought pacing was a lot better. I like the challenges. I felt genuine suspense in the build-up to Tribal Council. I thought it was a strong episode four. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it was as good as episode two. I don't know. I felt like I was in a very like negative mindset from the third episode, so I was trying to like come at it with fresh eyes, but it was difficult, and there's still just not enough strategy for me in terms of what I want to see from Survivor. But there's there's potential, but like how many times can we say there's potential before like <laughs> something actually happens? But yeah, for me, anytime like Doug or Ren or Tanuke are on screen, it feels like Survivor. And the rest of the time it doesn't really feel like Survivor. So I'm just hoping that it picks up. Yeah, I think the next episode is really pivotal. So and and, yeah. and I think it works either way. So we talked a little bit about if Lenena lose, I think there's a strategic conversation around either Doug using the idol or Leilani swaying people. The other thing I'm really here for, and I'll give it a go, is at Calaton. I think there's a really mixed up dynamic right now. So if I'm shy and I'm at Calaton and we lose immunity next, I'm going straight to Matthew and to Rachel and say, if they get rid of me, then they're coming for you. Yeah. And I'd be saying that to everybody. And I think it's either going to force us to be in a much more exciting strategic conversation or it's going to cement that this is a very boring game. The risk with Calaton there is it'll end up being Shy or Jess, based on Jess being the quote-unquote weakest member left, and Shy obviously not getting on with the tribe, which it's kind of the same boat that it's been the last three times, like Shy or the weakest perceived person. Yeah, Like you say, we, we, we think it has a lot of potential. We've really enjoyed it, we're enjoying covering it, but questions are starting to be raised online about um, how much it costs to produce the show, whether or not it's pulling in enough viewers or not. Um, we're recording this before we got the viewing figures for Saturday and Sunday. But, you know, there have been lots of comparisons to both Big Brother and ITV3 and also Michael McIntyre's The Wheel. And I know, Matt, you've mentioned there's either going to be some, uh, there are even gambling odds on whether or not this is going to be renewed. 
Yeah, so websites have opened up for betting odds on Survivor being axed or it being renewed, and it being axed is uh, considerably better odds at the moment. <laughs> I think it has a couple more weeks. I, I think definitely next week is pivotal. I think if next week doesn't go well, that potentially it loses its primetime slot. I hope. I just it's... like where like people are saying they spent thirty million on it. Where is the thirty million? Like... <laughs> it's not the prize money. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, it it's excruciating to get Survivor back on the screen and then it not live up to its potential and then potentially be axed because of that. Because it's, we know how good of a show it can be and it's just not fulfilling this strategic promise at all. Yeah, And I think ultimately, if it doesn't fulfill on that, the whole pre-merge and even post-merge, if we don't get the level of gameplay we want to, I think you have to look at casting as one of the reasons to do that. Not because any of these people who are cast on the show are inherently bad. In fact, we've talked about them at length. We think they're all brilliant people and have really colourful histories and great characters. But they've chosen people who are not playing the game. Or not all of them, but some of them are not playing the game particularly bravely. And that and that just results... And maybe they don't know how to, but it just results in something that's not very appetising, even for a new viewer. Yeah, and I think back to when they released the um, the casting applications, like the three front questions there are how cutthroat are you, you know, what are you willing to do to win, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like how did they get from putting that front and centre to such aggressive tribe loyalty? Yeah. I don't know how much you can do to mix it up now. Gosh, what depressing thoughts when the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like I've just got to hope that Lenena comes out on top because that's where we're seeing the strategic promise. Like, if we have an end game of the Lenena tribe, then I can imagine that will be really exciting. But if we have an end game of the Kalaton tribe, then I feel like it's going to be very predictable. So, if you'd asked me at the end of episode two, I'd agree with you. But now I think it's flipped round. Like that episode, th- that episode three from Lenena was some of the worst strategy. That I think Survivor True. has seen. Like, there was no strategy there. Our, our big knock on Calaton was an episode one. There's no strategy. They just picked off Richard because he doesn't quite fit. And fair enough, that's episode one. We loved episode two because Lenena actually seemed like they were pulling people together. But that totally flipped around. In episode three, there was nothing. And episode four, what I think it really needed, and I know you can't call an audible on this, but episode three needed to be the non elimination. And, yeah. and episode four needed to vote someone out. Um, you can't, you can't know how that's going to go. Yeah, but, you can't plan for that. But I, and the, yeah. I just, I know when this season ends and we were able to talk to people, they're going to say there was so much strategy. Yeah. There was this, this, and this. It was all cut out. And at which point, what? Why are the editors interested in the show in this way? Is it because they don't think the British audience is ready for the strategy, or what? Because the show is literally just the same as every other show if you're not going to include that strategy. Yeah. I do think there is a lack of trust that the audience get it. And and also, there's a I feel they're not understanding why people like Survivor. They're liking people. The reason I love Survivor is because I saw people make big moves and blindsides that surprised me. Those are the moments that pull me in. It wasn't because I liked watching people not wearing shirts competing challenges on a beach and then i i got into the strategy part you know yeah. it's, it's it's not how it works at the minute it's just not grabbing people's attention like it's it's not very engaging in the current way it's been 
it just didn't put across so i just hope they can figure something out yeah hopefully there's an iconic moment in episode five that really pulls us up into a really exciting space um, we'll definitely be watching episode five and six next saturday and sunday and live tweeting so we'll be back with our cast risers and fallers podcast and uh, we've got a special guest this week we're going to be speaking to bandits going from youtube so that'll be really exciting uh, but for now you can follow us on instagram the sit out bench all lowercase with full stops in the middle and over on x at the sit out bench we'll put a poll into spotify we'd love for you to take part but also we have the options to send in voice notes um, we'd love if you listen to this to send us a voice note let us know what your thoughts were on episode three and four and hopefully we can play some of those in our next podcast for me and matt that's everything see you next time have a good night guys bye